Welcome to Focused on Forward. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Focused on Forward, another Friday night live edition I'm very excited tonight because uh, the guests that we have waiting in the green room, and I say we like there's more than me sitting here talking to you, um, but the guest that I have waiting for you uh, in the in the green room uh, is named Lisa David Olson, and I've had just a, a fantabulous time talking with her uh, over instant messenger back and forth the last couple of weeks as we were planning tonight's chat, our little sit down. So I'm very excited to bring her out in just a moment, but before we do that, before we bring Lisa out and talk to her about her backstory and what she's doing now, we do have to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors, Vital Signs and Graphics. So here's a quick word from our sponsor. Since 1982, Vital Signs and Graphics has been helping professionals with all their image, logo, and design needs. Perhaps you're looking for signs and banners, truck and trailer lettering, business cards, brochures, or other image and marketing aids, Vital Signs and Graphics in-house design studio has you covered. From logos to apparel, start to finish, Vital Signs and Graphics has everything you need to look and feel professional. Call Rick at 231-652-3300. He'll get you noticed. So again, thanks to Vital Signs and Graphics, the sponsor of this episode and actually all of our episodes so far. Uh, but uh, you can reach them at 231-652-3300 and just let them know that uh, Focused on Forward sent you. I'm sure Rick will take very good care of all of your design, logo, and graphic needs. So uh, again, I want to take an opportunity to to get you guys ready to have Lisa David Olson come out. She's a... Uh, well, she, she's pretty cool. I, I got to admit, I've gotten to know her sense of humor a little bit, and I, I very much enjoy it. And we're going to talk tonight how she, just as the title of tonight is, going from trauma to TED Talks, how she went through a traumatic childhood, how it led to a couple different things, and the development of her sense of humor and comedy, and how those things have really helped her to move forward in life. So let's welcome Lisa David Olson to Focused on Forward. Hi, hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be on your show. I'm so excited to have you here. Honestly, uh, just our little interactions back and forth uh, in Instant Messenger, you have made me uh, laugh out loud. And I don't I don't mean just the little LOL that you type back and forth to people uh, to let them know that you thought something was funny. Uh, but you have you have legit made me laugh out loud, uh, even today, this afternoon. Uh, <laughs> Such high praise. You've made my yeah. day. Well, hey. <laughs> I can help somebody have a good day. We're doing we're doing something right. We done good. We done did good. So um, <laughs> in a few minutes here, I'm, I'm going to give you some opportunity to talk about all the things that you're doing now. But what I'd like to do is is kind of set the stage for for how we got to where we're at. Uh, 
So if you don't mind, could you walk people through your story to the limits of which you're comfortable of the things that you went through in your younger years and how that led you to a life of being focused on forward? Yes, yes. I am very excited to be on Focused on Forward. I think the work you're doing and inviting the variety of guests is so helpful. It's nice to have the spot to go to. And there's nothing you can't ask me. There's nothing you can't ask me. So I come from a traumatic childhood, as many comics do, really. And my story is growing up in a home with an alcoholic functioning mother. Very hard worker. Very hard worker. Just... I don't think she ever missed work, but she drank. And when she drank and it was dark out, then stuff went down. And a lot of times that would be taken out on us kids. There was um, three siblings and myself. And it was difficult because I know now as an adult that she was self-medicating, you know, for whatever her disorders were. But back then, you know, I'm 55 now. So back then people didn't check in or make sure that, things were okay. You just, you kind of stayed in your own yard. You, you know, teachers nowadays, I hugely applaud because you, you even knew through COVID where teachers weren't live with kids in the room and they were very concerned about, is Billy eating? Did he get breakfast? Is Sally in clean clothes today? Teachers do more than open the books. So uh, back then the teachers didn't get involved. So a lot of things happened that you know, could have could have been seen if it was happening today. Okay. All right. So let, let's talk a little bit about how you how you navigated through those things. So you, you noticed that these things were going on, but how did it affect you as a child? How did it affect you as a teenager moving forward in life? I mean, how did that develop your personality? Going through that kind of a childhood was very rough as it would be for anyone to not be able to sleep through the night to be pulled out of bed and told somebody threw the mushrooms in the garbage. Who was it? Or to admit to doing it, whatever it was. And it became that we would take turns saying, I did it, take the belt, and then we could all get to bed. I say it simply and I say it methodically because I've told my story before. It's certainly, um, I'm still affected by night fright and the fight or flight stuff. Uh, I've got Mm -hmm. anxiety and things, but I also know that I didn't do that to my kids and, you know, they didn't ever have to worry at night and, you know, in the, in the way that I did. So, um, you, if you're healthy enough to stop the cycle, then you've, you've made it. But what it did was it, it drew me to humor because my siblings and I, if we had a particularly rough night, we would make each other laugh and tell jokes or, you know, pretend to be one of mom and dad's friends and kind of do parodies of them and make fun of them. And that was humor. And that okay. helped heal. And there was the times that sometimes worked that if you got mother laughing, then she wasn't hitting you. So humor was not only a healer. Humor was sort of a defense. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, we do have a question here from from folks in the the audience. They would like to know what was your favorite childhood memory? Oh my, that, that would be, I think learning that, um, that there were shows to watch like Carol Burnett and I would pretend to be, you know, I would pretend that Carol Burnett was raising me because Carol Burnett also grew up in an alcoholic home and her grandma raised her. That's why she tugged at her ear. She was saying goodnight to grandma. And, um, I know that. 
Oh, yes. Fun fact. And so she, her show was incredible. And that cast got together and you could tell when they were making each other laugh and kind of get each other going and that you felt like you were there. And that kind of inclusive humor made you feel like you were there. And I tell you that that was huge to me in, in the fact of being able to escape through humor that way as well. And later became my actual career is doing sketch comedy and improvisation as well as singing parodies and things like that. Okay. So let's talk about that transition from being a, a teenager and dealing with these things to getting to the point where you you start realizing that this might be an avenue for you to to help you not only cope, but also to, well, hey, this might put a little change in my pocket. So what was that transition like for you? What was the awakening moment where you said, you know, I might be able to do something with this? I think it was um, actually my mother encouraged me to get into a singing group to try out. And I did end up trying out and then you join the group. So there were many ups and downs of my mother's and my relationship. And we can talk boundaries at some point, but I certainly wrote about it in my book. We had our major highs and extreme lows. And then one of our times where we were together, she was encouraging me to try out for the singing group. And I did. And I got in and... It was cheesy and corny and fun. (laughs) So it was kind of dumb. We all wore red dresses and we were called the Apple Annies because where we live in La Crescent, that it's the Apple capital of Minnesota. We don't just have lakes, Tim. So it's... uh, (laughs) Lakes and apples. Another fun fact. I know. We can go bobbing in the lakes for apples if you want. After the show. After the show, of course. And so one of the gals in the group said to me, you know, I'm in this comedy troupe and I really think you should try out. You can sing, you're funny, you know, and all these things. And I was like, oh man, I'm all that. Yeah, I think I should do that. I am pretty talented. And then she added, yeah, we uh, we need another female. So I was like, oh wow, I got this huge <laughs> head. I can barely fit through the door. So I did try out and I, I there was no way I was going to do improv. No way. Nobody said I had to do improv. What are you talking about? And then I tried it and I I had the perfect director that really encouraged how to do it and how to not be afraid and how how to just think the wild thoughts and make them into a scene and make your partner look good and build the trust and the listening skills it takes to put on a scene. And now I teach that to companies for communication. My 20 years of stage work goes forward that way. Excellent. Now you mentioned this earlier, and so I, and I was going to ask you about this at some point, but since you brought it up, we about the question of boundaries. So, why is it important for someone who has gone through a, a, a traumatic past in 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 any way that their their trauma has been in, induced into their life? Why is it important for somebody going through that to learn where and what their boundaries are? To protect yourself and to not always feel that you have to please everyone. A lot of times, a, you know, a person who's been traumatized or been through a situation, maybe it's with a partner who might be narcissistic and you fall into that and you start believing those things. I guess it'd be gaslighted in some senses. Sure. If you don't put up a wall and protect yourself, you are allowing it almost, you know, and I understand the mental issues that can go with that. But if at all you think that a person is entering your room, your home, approaching you at a store, or even texting you on your phone, and you get that 
physical reaction of now what am I going to do? Right. That is something to pay attention to. And there's no one that can stop it except for you or a restraining order, of course. But seriously, put up that wall because I'm talking even family. You know, we're going to have Uncle Frank over for Thanksgiving because he's family. No, Uncle Frank is my fake representative of the person who is not welcome in my home. And no, I don't believe in, well, he's family. I don't believe in that. I think a boundary is to say, this is my home and this is my safe zone and my kids are going to be free and fun and happy. And I'm not going to worry about someone who, oh my gosh, is he going to have a beer? And then the whole night's ruined. You know what? Stop that before it's getting to that point. No, agreed. There's absolutely nothing wrong with nipping that in the bud and setting up that boundary. So what what were some ways in which you set up boundaries for yourself to, as you were as you were growing, as you were learning your that you had the option, the ability to set up boundaries? What were some of the ways that you did that to protect yourself? I often had to disengage from my mother and that was hard because one sibling moved away, another sibling just wasn't mentally capable. And another sibling said, yeah, I'm out of here too. And that left me in the same area. And so I felt that I had to be the one to drop off food and see if she would eat. And I was raising toddlers at the time and and it, uh, just frustrated that I felt like I had to. So mm-hmm. number three out of four kids, you know, oh, I better make sure everybody's okay. Mm-hmm. So the time came where I had dropped off food to her. And she called me the next day and said she had fallen down and needed help. And I showed up and she had not touched the food after a whole solid day. She was on the floor and it was not a gorgeous sight. She was trying to get to the bathroom and didn't make it. Then there I am the same size physically trying to get her up. So I did end up calling an ambulance and they gave her IVs right there in the parking lot. But in that moment, I didn't want to have to pay for an ambulance and I didn't want to have that bill for her. I just had to make that decision right then and there. Mm -hmm. And because of that, she lived another 10 years, I think. And she never drank again after that. Oh, wow. Okay. So that was, Mm -hmm. that was her stopping Mm -hmm. point. Well, that's good. It was. Yes. She remembers clearly being told they weren't sure if they wanted to give her another pint of blood. They weren't sure if she was going to make it, you know, they didn't want to waste the rare blood type that she was. And she heard that even though she wasn't fully awake. So that wow. was a clear thing. Yeah. And she was yeah. able to talk about it then. That's that's kind of impressive that A, that she could hear that and figure that out in a in that kind of state. But yeah, it's nice that she had an awakening of some sort and was able to to move forward from that. Okay. So you you've you've set these boundaries. You're you're raising your children and your mother. And you know. Honestly, let's be frank about it. You're True. at that point. You you kind of were. Um, so where you know we we talked about getting into this comedy troupe, and so you know we've gotten to that point. What did you do after that? What was the next step in the progression of of, of Lisa's story? Let's see. So there was divorce number one. Got uh, married again, and I co-parented my kids. It was. <laughs> almost single parenting, but co-parented my kids and stayed with the comedy troupe and had ended up taking it over and always working full-time besides. And it, it was just a really fabulous outlet to be able to write and perform 
So we were writing our sketches together as a team mm -hmm. and perform them and doing improv shows for corporate. And then all along the while, I've been keynote speaking as well. And the, the amazing thing is finding that group in my circle of the comedy troupe because people didn't really rotate. There's a lot of groups where people rotate and that's normal. With our group, we had this core group of people that we rarely ever exchanged uh, members. And I went through my second divorce and both are amicable. Collect the whole set. You never know when you need a couch moved, right? I'm easy to divorce. It's on my profile. No, it's not. But I'm in my third and final marriage with a fabulous man who also does writing and performing. And we were in a comedy troupe together in the same one. So the thing is, is finding that circle of people that you trust. And like mm -hmm. with my husband, we're, we were friends first for 30 years and both ended up available at the same time. I had to chase him down a bit, but that's another story for another day. Understood. We can do that over. Yeah. You know, you know how you boys are. And so, <laughs> but finding that circle of trust is, you know, everybody right now could think, who is that person you would call if you suddenly needed a ride, you were stuck somewhere in the night? Can you envision that person or the person that you know, you could say, I need to talk about this, but I don't want anyone else to know. Can you think of that person? And if you can, send them a text and say, hey, I appreciate you. Because if you have those people in your life, you are very lucky. And finding that circle of trust for me became my comedy family. And that was the people I knew I could get out of a grouchy mood or just say, I'm not feeling it tonight. And then they would change my mood and they were just there to pick me up. And I was there for them as well. And we still are. Well, that's excellent. All right, we've got another question from the audience, Todd Olson would like to know, did you ever forgive your mother? Oh, yeah. You know, that that is something that I guess forgive is such a hard word for me, but I think so, yes, because we were able to talk about it after she was sober and she did have regrets and she could speak to it. And that was something I never thought would happen. I thought that uh, she would always deny it. But once she had been sober long enough, she was able to say, she knew the things she did wrong. And she spent a lot of her time trying to make it up with gifts, food, sewing us clothes. She had so many talents that way that it was that roller coaster. So I would say in the shorter answer, yes, I did forgive her because she was doing the best she could while dealing with whatever mental scramble she had going on without outside help. Okay. Well, that's fair. I think that's a fair response. You know, and I think... You know, one of the things that I've learned, and maybe it's something you've learned as well, is that you know, forgiveness isn't excusing what had happened. It's more for you than it is for the other person. It's allowing yourself to be able to to move past whatever that issue was. So, um, you know, I, I, as important as forgiveness is, I think sometimes people think that, oh, I forgave them, so you know that that slate is wiped clean. No, that's not what that means. You know, forgiveness means that you understand what your mother did was wrong but you're forgiving her so that you can move forward. So I think. Right. So well I, said. Yeah. All right. We have, we have more from the, from the audience. Uh, Hannah McKinney asks, what three accomplishments are you most proud of? Oh, that's a nice question. I would say um, getting my book published. These are in no particular order. Fire away. <laughs> getting my book published was a big damn deal because 
of all the hurdles that I put upon myself and I finally got past those. So that that's one. I think um, another one is absolutely my my funny children. We share five sons and they are bright and smart and hard workers. And I'm just so, so proud of them. And I feel like um, I might have helped with that a tiny bit. So I'm very proud. And third, oh my, that um, people tell me I'm very proud that people tell me I'm brave for sharing my story. And so I'm very proud that I can affect people through sharing trauma, but also through sharing joy and humor and keeping things light, but being that person that that you can kind of count on if you need a laugh or to be scared or be pranked. Count on me. I think those are three good accomplishments. So Hannah, I hope that answered your question. Uh, Ron Lippett also made a comment here. So that trust is everything. It's absolute currency in every meaningful relationship. And so, uh, and that's true, Ron, whether it's uh, mother, daughter, whether it's uh, spousal, you know, parent to child, uh, those relationships are all built upon trust. So that is true. And that's not something that you can give away. It's um, because of my background, I, you have to earn trust. I don't just trust you because I meet you. And right. that also brings up instinct. You have that gut feeling. Maybe somebody's walking behind you and you don't care, or somebody's walking behind you and you get that feeling. Trust that. Trust is so many different things. But once it's broken, own it. If, if you've messed up with somebody, certainly own it and, and try and make it up because it takes a lot to apologize to someone. And so it's, it's grace if you can accept it and go forward. It can actually make your bond stronger. But boy, you blow it and you don't own it. You're out. Yeah. <laughs> Door is <you> know. shut. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that completely with, with you know, uh, things that I've gone through in life. Trust is a very big deal for me. So I, I you know, that Ron's statement to me is, is 100% true and accurate uh, in that sense. Okay, so let's kind of get back to some of the things that we were talking about. Now, you you had gotten to the point where you mentioned this is one of the things that you uh, was one of your bravest or happiest accomplishments uh, from Hannah's question there. Uh, and I can see them behind you propped up so nicely. Oh, sometimes I accidentally set my books right here. Yeah, I hate it when that happens. Just, <laughs> Oopsie. Embarrassing. So let's talk about your books and, how, and, and what was the impetus or the decision that you know, I need to be a writer. It just was a craving I had. And I think part of it was forcing myself to share my story. Who cares? Who cares about her story, right? So I had to get past that. And I figured it's something that my boys could have. It's something that I could share with my dad and make him proud of me. You know, I quit school at 10th grade. I had such crappy grades. I missed so much school because of everything. And I didn't have a good support system to make me catch up and stay. It was just kind of like you're on your own. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry to sound blaming, but I never did that to my kids. In fact, <laughs> they had a little bit more of the, uh, not helicopter, but certainly a, a glider over them for school because I didn't want them to go through what I went through, which was right. falling behind and, and leaving. So having a book to me was solidifying that I could do it. Um, I'm a pretty good writer, and I wouldn't have said that a couple of years ago. And I wanted to get my story out there and share the things that were like not finishing school and 
and the multi marriages that have become a punchline for many. And that's okay. I can take it. And it's just that I wanted my story out there. And when um, a mail carrier that I knew because he had seen our shows, saw me in a coffee house and he saw me at my laptop, he said, I sure hope you're writing your book. And I said, well, why would you want my book? He goes, I would love to see your book. You always remind me of Carol Burnett, which is the highest praise I could ever hear. And because Boyce the Mailman would ask me on different Saturdays when I'd see him, he would ask me how my book is coming. It gave me that feeling that I mattered and that somebody, even if it's just Boyce, would read it. And he was at my book signing. And then he shared that he also had a traumatic childhood. He shared that with me when he hugged me and we it's just amazing that people say that you're brave to share and then they want to tell you your their story yeah yeah absolutely it's it's a connection all right so you have two books back there which one was written first i did laughs on rye w-r-y and it's an improviser's memoir and it's a life made of choices not excuses so it it tells all the ups and downs of mom and i but it also has much more than that in the sense of how I would embarrass my children, how I prank the cops that I work with, all these different things. <laughs> and it's tiny little snippets, not even chapters. And it's I had the best editor in the world, Jessica, who was able to tell me that I don't have to have it in any particular order. Because of my childhood, I don't have succinct memory in chronological order. And she mm-hmm. gave me that permission to right in the order I wanted to. And after every oh, snippet, awesome. there's a little lesson. Yeah, it, w- it was the clarity I needed. The heavens opened up. I was like, I can do this. Then I can write. I thought everything had to be in order and I had to know my fourth grade teacher's name. And no, oh, it was yeah. none of that. Yeah. No, I think that would have been a problem for me. If, if I were ever to do that, which I, I won't, I'm not a writer. That's not going to happen. Um, but if I were, I think I'd probably have to write in a very similar fashion because I don't think that I could write a chronological story it would have to be in the way that it just, you, however I sat down and started typing, that's the way it would have to come out, you know? Yes, and you, you don't have to be a great writer. You just have to have money for an editor. Well, <laughs> and that's there, the we'll truth. See. There it is. You know, and once you start writing, you'll be amazed how many extra stories come out. And I encourage everyone to write their story because you never know who else might want to hear it. And we all have a story in us. And it doesn't have to be about a traumatic childhood. It could be, your love of parks. It could be an experience you had with your favorite dog. It doesn't matter. There is a story within you and somebody out there wants to hear it. Maybe you have your own mail carrier out there that wants to hear your story. My second one is a journal I created called What Ifs and Why Nots. And it is, um, it's all the creative tips to reignite stale ideas. And I use these ideas from 20 years of performing and doing things that and it's hard to see, but there's a tip on each page and then there's the lined page and the open page so you can doodle or you can make notes. But let's say you were stuck on something and you you thought, you know, I don't know. I, I can't write my book, says Tim, because I'm not a writer. So I'll flip it open and I read, chances are great you didn't walk the day you were born. Is that true for you? I don't recall, but I probably yes. No judgment. (laughs) Perfection doesn't happen. It has to be worked on. Mistakes are there to help us learn. So you crawl before you walk. Failure is a chance to grow. So write crappy and then hire a good editor. That's the message there, Tim. 
that's solid advice. Okay. <laughs> All right. We got a couple more questions uh, from the audience. Uh, I am the Balzer asks, is there anything you'd wish you'd added to Laughs on Rye? Oh, good one. Well, I'd like to add more pictures. I did serious selfies with strangers in there. Maybe I'll just do a separate book on that. But um, yeah, I think longer stories about the people I've met that came through the serious selfies with strangers and include more of the stories and more of the relationships that I met simply from being brave enough to approach a stranger. I've got such great friendships out of that. And I think I think that would make for not only good stories, but encourage other people to interact with those around you. Thanks for that question. Yeah, I think I, I like that one, actually. That That's a really good question. All right. Thank you. And we got one more here from Dark King wants to know, Dark King 222, let's be specific. Uh, what's one of your favorite stories from your book? Oh, I, I think I love prank stories the best and the mostest. And I think the one that I talk about, my youngest son, Mason, it, that's a good one where he had gone into the mall and wanted to go into the hurricane booth. And it took like two bucks. And he went in there and it makes this tremendous wind and his hair is blowing and his shirt is blowing. And I'm out there waiting with, you know, holding my purse mom style at the mall. And it's done because two bucks doesn't really last that long. And now he can't get out of this glass booth. He is stuck in a booth in the mall. <laughs> and me being the great mom I am, I burst out laughing so hard that tears are pouring down my face. I snotted. It all happened as my sweet son is hitting the glass and trying the door. And so it was pretty bad. And so, oh, he's saying, don't forget the two. Yeah, don't forget the two. Nice. <laughs> That's one of my favorite stories. And another is having my boys out in public. And they knew this, this shtick that we would do. If I said, go over to that guy in the purple shirt and tell him you need five bucks. They knew that I knew him and they trusted me and I would hide. So imagine being standing in a grocery store and two kids come up. Hey, Mitha, can I have five bucks? And the guy says loudly, look at her on. Why don't you find your parents? Why don't you find your parents? And it was actually my one of my cousins and he didn't know. You know, we weren't close. So he didn't know it was my kids. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, let's see. Mason Thompson says, I'm still traumatized from that mall experience. That would be my son. That was in the hurricane booth. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Mason, for your uh, your public admission. Son, that was the best two bucks I've spent in decades. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> oh, the door opened eventually, and one lady went to turn me in, I think. <laughs> he is not still in the booth. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, and then we got some uh, some hearts being thrown your way from Aww, Terry. Oh, Terry. Uh, we also have another question here from, from Kaylee. Kaylee asks, what is your best advice you can give anyone? Oh, I'd say leave laughter in your wake. If you can make someone smile and make them feel that they were listened to, that is uh, a gift that doesn't have a price tag. So if you can really listen to somebody and not just tap them when they tell their story and you hurry up to tell your story. I mean, it's hard, but 
leaving laughter in your wake because humor is such a connector. You, you don't have to know the people around you to enjoy a moment of fun. And if you can at least make them feel heard and share a laugh together, I think leaving laughter in your wake because that ripple effect goes on to the next experience. Maybe we laugh together at a bus stop and then I speak to somebody at a store and I'm still joyful and it just keeps going on and on. And that is one of the best things I think that we can offer each other. I think that's genius. In fact, I, I just had to grab a notepad so I could write that down. That's... Snap a doodle. That go that point goes to Kaylee. Yeah, very nice question there, Kaylee. Um, in fact, that that kind of is one of my questions at the end of the show. So you only get asked one of the two questions <laughs> I ask everybody at the end of every one of my shows. I always ask, "What's the best advice you know that they have that they oh. still live?" Well, Kaylee beat me to it. So oh, I got um, more. Don't you worry. Oh, okay. Well, well, maybe we'll still ask it then. Yeah. But Mason would like to remind you that uh, a random woman tried to help open the door while you were still laughing. So. Oh yeah, that's true. Thank you for that, Mason. You're right. And didn't you try to go live with her instead? <laughs> I couldn't see. I was cry laughing. How could I know? I just know you made it out eventually. <laughs> made it out. You went home. You I'm sure, you got a treat. Yeah. Everything was fine. <laughs> he, he only mostly you know shivers when he walks into the large <laughs> shopping centers now wind makes him weep yes <laughs> exactly so all right so uh let, let's get back to talking about about your books here and 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 uh kaylee sends a heart as well oh, thank you kaylee do a heart back. so let, let's talk a little bit more about your books and 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 now did you find that as you wrote these these books did you find that they were therapeutic for you because for some people to put their stories out whether it's pen and paper whether it's typing of the keys uh whatever it may be it for some people it's it's therapeutic and i've heard others say that it wasn't like they relived their trauma but it did open up a few new wounds which way was it for you was it therapeutic or did it open things that needed to be to be fixed again Yes and yes. Yes and, and yes. Okay. My husband was around for all of it and he would come in and just say, Hey, it's, you know, it's couch time that at night we always watch at least a show. We watch one program cause we're older. And he was like, Oh, it's couch time. And he'd see me with tears as I'm typing. <laughs> so, and I would say, it's okay. It's okay. Cause I would relive a story that mm -hmm. really, really hit me and any therapist. Cause I certainly go to therapy and I recommend it. We'll tell you that you have to get that out. You have to. I think one one therapist said it was, you can't keep driving around the neighborhood. Sometimes you're going to have to go through it. And I'm all about analogies. So mm -hmm. to relive it, feel it, and cry about it is really one way to get it out. And it was very therapeutic. And also the surprise part was the memories that came back just through writing. And that was so astounding for me because I do have choked, blocked memories. Mm -hmm. That's a, you know, a protection mechanism. But then to get some of those back, you know, and, and just to have that clarity was really a surprise that I didn't expect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, one of the interesting things about having gone through counseling and therapy myself is, is, is that some of these things do kind of come bubbling up to the surface and it's things, you know, for me, at least, I think the, the thing that was most interesting wasn't the fact that there was these memories, but how much some of those memories that 
as they came to the surface, how much uh, some of them stung. And, right. and so trying to find ways to navigate around uh, those things, you know, without having, because I think that, like you said, the natural inclination is that you don't want to go through the neighborhood. You do want to go around, you know, you yep. want to find detour. Exactly. It's human nature. We want to find the easiest path of least resistance so that we can get from point A to point B uh, with, you know, without tear stains. Um, right. <laughs> you know, True. let's be honest. Well so, said. so what was one of the things that your therapist helped you to do in order to see that sometimes the drive through the, the, the neighborhood is the necessity? I think feeling that I had somebody that had no reason to care about my stories one way or the other and that I wasn't a bad person for saying that I dropped out of school or any of these things. Mm -hmm. I think having that person that is not a family member, is not a friend that could maybe see you differently. You need that person in your life that you can just talk to there. They are um, sworn to secrecy unless you're going to hurt yourself or others right. and that you can have a venue in which to get it out. So um, for me, the talk therapy is the best. And then when they give you tools to work on, I've done different kinds of therapy that didn't work so well. And the best for me is when you have tools to work on or homework to work on. And one mm -hmm. therapist said, start writing. And that just sounds so easy. But then he said, start writing. And he would give me a prompt such as, um, I was really upset with my mother when, and then write. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what I would write. Well, how funny when you sit down with a pen and you just have to fill it in three pages later. <laughs> And it, what a great way to kind of get it out. Mm -hmm. But of course, breathing exercises. And for my anxiety, I'm always busy. So I really still struggle with downtime. Um, just sitting and reading a book, I feel like I'm not getting something done, which is bad. So I know what I have to work on. So I've begun painting little pictures, little mini pictures. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. They're just, it's silly, but it's the one thing that keeps me in a chair for a minute, you know? <laughs> Right, because I'm always running around, and it doesn't doesn't serve me or or those around me. That's the things I've learned is how can I slow it down? Okay, excellent. One of the things that and I and I share this is that one of the things that the uh, my therapist helped me to understand is that uh, it's okay to tell yourself to stop thinking about it. You know, and, and so we call and she calls it stop therapy. And I you know, like so, that. So for me, and, and one of the reasons why we got I got started in, in doing this podcast is that after my daughter went through her traumatic hospital experience, mm -hmm. uh, when we came home, I needed to figure out a way for me to handle those things, to handle the the, the PTSD that my wife and I were going through uh, post hospital. And, you know, and so she suggested to me to, to be to, to put it down on paper, to write it out. And I'm like, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not a writer. Um I'm a talker. That's what I do. I talk. And so um, so that's how I got to the point of doing a podcast and talking to other people. This is actually part of my therapy. I talk to people about what they're going through. And I, I write down and make little notes about, you know, what things, cool things they say. And, and um, but one of the things that she, she told me is that, you know, sometimes when, when we have these, these thoughts and these feelings about past traumas come back up into our, our consciousness, is that sometimes we don't think that we 
we think that we have to relive them all right then, right there, and we have to handle it. And but it's okay to tell ourselves we can stop. Mm. Just stop. We don't have to, you don't have to unpack that today. Yes, you do have to deal with it, but you can pick another time to deal with it. So it's it's not it's it's not a suppression thing where you're where you're pulling it back down and you're hiding it and you're saying, you know, it didn't ever happen. You're allowing yourself to have a human moment and say, you know what, I can't do this right now. Or yeah. I need, I, and then and then find something, um, you know, it's, it's almost like the equal and opposite reaction thing where you're finding something opposite that that's happy that you can think about. That's something that you can you can focus on to help get you away from that thought until it's time to handle that that particular thing, whatever it may be, whatever that trauma is that you need to handle, you know, when it's a, a good and appropriate time for you. So that was one of the things that I had to learn because, you know, when we came out of the hospital, it was like, I had all these things kind of just flushing through. And I said, you know, I got to handle all this. I got to, I got to take care of it. I'm a guy. Yeah. I got to fix everything. That's what I do. I'm a guy. I fix things. Applause you know? to you for seeking <laughs> the professionals that can help you through it yeah, and let you know it took that... some time to get there uh... oh it does though because first you're going through your anger stage and is your daughter right. okay yeah she's doing much better um so she has a condition called guillain barre syndrome and I've it heard attacks of that, the... but i'm not sure what that is yeah it attacks the central nervous system in the body and mm -hmm. she was uh paralyzed for uh 30 well not i can't give you an actual number of days but we were in the hospital for 97 days 33 of those were in the icu she was paralyzed from the neck down for a good portion of it. Um, no way. Yeah. So she had to learn how to walk again. She had to learn how to, to hold a spoon, write, you know, everything. So it was, it was, it was pretty detailed. Uh, oh with, my gosh. With, your with life was things. upside down. So, and so, how yeah. old was she? 12. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. So it was, it was a, it was a rough go on things, but you know, so for me it was, it was you know coming out. It was, learning how to deal with those things in a way that was healthy for me and also mm -hmm. healthy for my family. Um, so yeah, not all marriages survive something so traumatic as that. Yeah, no, I, I'm very fortunate. I've got an awesome wife who uh, is very patient with me and, and I honestly, she deserves sainthood. So, uh, <laughs> you know, just if it wasn't for the first if she didn't deserve it for the first two years of our marriage, she certainly deserved it for the last three. So uh, that's definitely <laughs> that is definitely a book right there. Is the the what you went through, what you learned, and how as a couple you made it through such a horrific time. That's that you do have a book in you, and yeah, yeah we'll talk. I just we'll talk. We'll talk. Okay. <laughs> I can type as fast as you can talk, so we'll we'll figure this out. I'll, we'll see. I can talk pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have we have another question from Kaylee. Uh, Kaylee wants to know what is the greatest lesson you taught your children from experiencing a traumatic childhood? Oh, that's my friend who's a new mama. Yes. Oh, she's got the cutest kid. So, I think the greatest lesson I taught my kids. First of all, I was very honest early on and let them know that there's alcoholism on both sides of their family. Um, it's like happy second birthday, honey. You're going to be, no, I didn't. It, they were like <laughs> seven and nine or nine and 11. I don't know, but they were old enough to have these conversations. I think, um, to explain to them that this is what's going on and that 
that, you know, a little bit about my past, just so they understood the dynamics between me and their Nana. And cause she was still around for a while and, and just letting them know, honestly, what is happening and that I want them to be aware of it because we don't want any other, you know, it's, it's in your body. It's, it's yeah. genetic. So you might as well understand. But I think the other thing that lessons for my kids was, is definitely the trust. Um, the two sons that came out of me and me are so, so, so close. And we have this trust and uh, the late night giggles that we have and <laughs> our matching tattoos. And we are uh, a threesome and definitely, well, we're all Scorpios, so we're a tight pack, but just that they can come to me. And um, yeah, that we just, it's the trust thing that is really there. And, and we've already covered that that's really hard for me to have. And they learn that by proxy. So I think they, <laughs> they know too, that we are, are good, but my sons are kind and great listeners. One of the best things they picked up was when you ask someone, how are you, you really mean it and you wait for an answer or how is your day? Or even at a cashier, you're, how's the night going? Simple things that are small, but are very, very connected and just charming, actually. Yeah, no, I think that's very good. Okay. All right. So let's talk in, now in the, the title of, of tonight's discussion, I, I named it from trauma to TED Talk. So let's talk about you being uh, on, on a TEDx talk. So what was your topic? What did you discuss? You know, all those all those fun tidbits. Yes. And I also have a comedy album of telemarketer calls. So if you have time, I can play one of my two minute calls for you if you like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, my TEDx, it was such an exciting experience that it was supposed to be. Look at you, Tim. Look at you. I, I Hey, I, I try to be somewhat prepared. You are just the bomb. Okay. And it was in April. And it still has not been released because everything is on a volunteer basis and um, people give up their time. So getting all eight speakers talks edited is taking a bit. We started on Zoom. So one thing, it was exciting to be accepted right, right there. Didn't sleep that night. And then you work on it and you work on it. And in today's world, your talk should be around 10 minutes or less if you want it to be if you want it to catch on it, it is around 18 minutes allowed, unless you're Brene Brown, you go 19, whatever, girl. And <laughs> you do you. <laughs> yeah, you do you, Bren. And so <laughs> one of the speakers said, is there any way we could be in person? Because it was all via Zoom. And darn it, if it wasn't just like one of those old movies, we all scrapped together. Mom made the curtains and dad got the barn ready and we did it in person. But what we really did was we sold tickets to be able to use the theater in Bloomington, Indiana. And if we sold so many streamlined tickets for people to watch it live, we would be able to afford the theater, the workers, the tech people, the videographers and all that. Okay. Those who run it are non-paid, but you've got all the nuances of opening a theater. And it was April, so it was still very, we could only have, I think, 50 bodies in the whole place, period. Right. And I think there was like four videographers and my husband and another guy donated their time. And I know my husband did 3000 photos. It was just oh, wow. In wow. incredible the way the people stepped up. So to me, it was very hard to come out of that because that was definitely a dream come true. And my husband was there the whole way making it happen and gives up his time and everything too. It 
after that, I think I was in a, a fog, nearly in a funk afterward because I just couldn't believe it really happened. It was sure. an incredible experience. And just like I say, everybody's got their book in them. You definitely have a talk in you. Just figure out your message worth spreading and check out other talks and see what you see out there. Okay, cool. All right. Now, also, I mentioned at, at the, uh, the head of this that you're a podcaster as well. So let's talk about your podcast, Stranger Connections. But you've got a bigger microphone than me. I very well might, yes. Yes, you do. Uh, and bigger headphones. I do. Um, well, <laughs> bigger ears, bigger mouth. That's all that means. So <laughs> I had, um, I recorded two today. Thank you so much. Yeah, Stranger Connections with Lisa David Olson. I'm always looking for people to review it so that it can be seen. Please review Tim's show as well. It's how our shows are seen. And I interview quirky stories, weird careers, just the strangest stuff. Um, one lady today, she had so many stories in her. I just did a rapid fire questionnaire because she had done, uh, instead of college, she took a backpack and went across the land and then she was a tour guide in Alaska on a dog sled thing. So people could feel what it's like to be in a dog sled. And then she was a manager in a strip club in the Caribbean. I mean, that's only a few of her things. And so we just went boom, that's boom, a boom. Very, that's a very <laughs> varied uh, career path. Um, yeah. And then she was on a reality show. I'm telling you, this uh, woman. You might not be it. able to call it a path. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, there's no path. Many forks. <laughs> with yes. Sporks. Sporks and knives. Yes. So oh. I, I'm very excited to do my podcast. I make no money yet. It's not about that. It's about meeting people and sharing stories and feeding Absolutely. that curiosity. I crave to know stories and I know you're the same way. And like you said, this is your therapy. I'm sure it's keeping me a little bit sane and keeps me out of my husband's hair a little bit too. Yeah. Especially during, uh, you know, during, you know, 2020, this mm -hmm. is, I, I think part of what helped keep me sane is, is talking to people and hearing their stories and, and being able to discuss things with them and have that interaction that, that, you know, we, whether you're uh, an introvert or an extrovert, there's a, some level of, of interaction we all crave, you know, it's just, yes. it's, it's part of who we are as, as the human animal. Um, and so for me, it was, it, you know, that's what that was. I, and like you said, it, for me, it's about stories. I, I don't understand what this thing called money is yet from it. Um, maybe that'll happen. If it doesn't, I don't care. I, I, I have, I started this with the pure intention of just wanting to share people's stories. And it sounds like that's pretty much the, the thought process with stranger connections as well. It is. I, and it keeps, you know, the best question I can get from others that listen is how did you find them? You know, that's a high praise because it's it's like you. You and I are always researching or finding each other through podcast groups and things like that. But yeah, it, sometimes you can't remember where you found somebody because by the time you meet up with them. But it doesn't matter because we research and that's part of what keeps our minds going and keeps us busy and, and <laughs> keeps our families sane is that we have that craving and curiosity. And I think that's a healthy thing to do with our time. And we can connect other people. Um, one of the guys I interviewed has uh, an affliction that his arms are shorter and he's a speaker. And he connected with a friend of mine whose niece has this. And now she connected him to her niece because she was going to quit college. And that's huge. All because I was curious 
now these people are meeting through me and how cool making, is that? Oh, and there's a few stories like that. I love to connect people. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Well, we're, we're kind of running out of time here. So I, I do want to get to uh, the two questions that I love to ask everyone. Absolutely. Uh, and since you gave me the go ahead to ask you the second question, it's going to happen. Um, but the first question, now these two questions are very similar and you'll, you'll notice that as I ask them. So looking back over the entirety of your journey, what is the single greatest lesson that you have learned? Hmm. Be kind to all the people that you run into. You don't know their story if you don't know them. And even if you do know them, you don't truly, truly know their story. And so what if we pretend that those around us are doing the very best they can in that moment and just give them grace? And remember, people are not paying attention to us. You know, don't worry about <laughs> your image so much. But how about grace? Hold the door for somebody, compliment somebody, ask them how they're doing and wait for an answer. That's what we can do for each other. Absolutely. Okay, excellent. Now, the second question, which you've technically already kind of answered because, you know, um, you know, Kaylee kind of snuck that good question in there. <laughs> that Kaylee, she's like that. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not upset at all, Kaylee. No, no, you just, I loved your questions. Thank you so much, Kaylee, for participating tonight. Uh, but the second question is, looking back over your journey, what is the single greatest piece of advice that you were given that you still use today? Oh, I think it was my father who said, shut the damn door. You're trying to cool off the neighborhood. <laughs> I think that was it. Fair enough. <laughs> what I tell others is to be bold, be brave and dare yourself daily. And whether that dare is to pick up the phone and call your uncle who is in the hospital, true story, or it's to jump out of a plane and, you know, with the fancy backpack thing or right. try pineapple on a pizza. Not my husband's thing. What would it be that would be brave and daring? Trying a new food, calling an old friend. Um, you know, I have pen pals now and all those things. But to to dare yourself daily and maybe it is apologize to that person that you lost touch with or maybe it's, you know a new workout video or a different kind of song. So be creative and dare yourself daily because the feeling afterward is only one you can give yourself. Okay. So uh, those are both excellent answers. I like them both. Uh, Thank goodness. I would hate to get a bad grade. Right. Exactly. So uh, with just a couple minutes left here, let's, let's make sure that everybody knows where they can find out more information about Lisa David Olson. Find me on Facebook. I, that's my spot of choice, Lisa David Olson. And I have a website, lisadavidolson.com. What a coincidence. And on Facebook, we have a collective group of silly heads on Counterclockwise, where we share just PG-13 humor. And it's a great place to just catch some fun before you go to bed. More punchlines, less headlines. There you go. I'm a member. It's fun. I enjoy the memes. You share uh, the, good ones too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, there's there's been a, quite a few in there that I'm like, and stolen? And <laughs> stolen? Exactly. Well, they're all stolen anyway. <laughs> We're borrowing, yeah. repurposing. Repurposing, exactly. A friend of mine says, I have never stolen a meme. However, I have repurposed many. <laughs> exactly right. I like that friend. <laughs> so, oh, here's a good question. One more from Dark King 
two two two. Don't forget the two two two. Where can we get the book? <laughs> um, the journal is only available through me because I did a local printing on that, and it's a beautiful spiral. So message me on the face place. Um, Laughs on Rye is available on Amazon or through me if you want a signed copy. And it also is an audio version that took a long time. But if you want to keep hearing this here voice, you can get that on Amazon. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Dark King. And uh, we got a smiley face from, two, two, from Kaylee. Two. Oh, I, almost, I did it again. I almost <laughs> forgot the 222. How bad of me. All right. Exactly. All right. So, um, and now you said just real quick before we before we go here, you said that you had a uh, a comedy album. We're not. I don't think we're gonna have time to be able to play one. Yeah, no but, problem. But where? What is the name of the comedy album, and where can people find that? Thank you. On iTunes, it's fun on the phone, and fun is so hip that it's spelled P H just like phone. So fun on the phone, Lisa David Olson, and it is twenty one phone calls of actual telemarketer calls where I don't let them get to their point. Or it's also my first husband. And we would take turns <laughs> recording on this old machine. And this is when it was real people calling us before it was just the robo dial. Excellent. All right. Okay. Well, hey, guys, make sure you guys check that out. Please go find Lisa David Olson on Facebook. Find her at lisadavidolson.com. You can find her book at Amazon or her spiral bound workbook. You can get through her, as she said, on the face place. So yes. if you check her out on Facebook, um, I, I assure you that if you go to counterclockwise, you're going to get some good laughs and, you know, uh, you'll have some nice encouraging thoughts from other people as well. Uh, but Lisa, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you for being uh, willing to, to talk openly about the things that you've gone through and, and how it's led you through your journey in life. That's true for all of us. It's not where you're not where you've been. It's where you're going. And Tim, thank you for your show. I, I ask again for everyone to give a good rating and keep following the show. Subscribe to Tim's show because you're, the work you're doing is, is wonderful, not only for yourself, but for all of us. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. It's very kind of you. All right, guys, that's going to conclude us tonight for Focused on Ford. Like she said, please sure be sure to hit the subscribe button and uh, follow us next week. Um, I should have had this handy and I could tell you who was going to be on next week, but I didn't have it handy. So you'll have to follow it's me. It's that one more. person talking about it's the thing. It's the th actually if I'm just going to get out the great big book of everything. Um, yeah, this is this is my my nerd showing right here. Uh, so <laughs> next week uh, we have Brittany uh, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce her last name, but she has a very uh, interesting story um, having gone over through some trauma and some abuse. And now she lives over in Ireland. Um, so, but, uh, so, and she's got a very detailed story and we're going to talk to Brittany next week, but I cannot pronounce her last name, even though I'm Irish, that is, that's not going to happen. Brittany but, or uh, something. Yeah. Brittany Mick something. And, Mick, oh, Mick, oh Mick, yeah. Mick, sure. I want to say Mick and Taggart, but it, I'm pretty sure I'm wrong on that one. So Brittany, well, I apologize uh, in advance. So, <laughs> tune in next week and she can tell us herself. Tune in next week, next Friday, <laughs> 8 PM Eastern, and you'll hear Brittany's story. All right, guys, thank you so much. And again, thank you for listening to Focused on Forward. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcastfof, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email, focusedonforward at gmail.com. 
We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on Forward.